Raw. Welcome back to a uh, an episode of Talk Insane in the HOV lane. Uh, got some feedback last week. Great White Hope came out a little racist. Didn't think of it like that. I thought of it as a tribute to Larry Legend and uh, kind of a joke that, you know, we don't have enough white people talking about sports in this country, but, um, you know, I didn't take it that way. And as you know, our audience grows, I want to be respectful. And uh, so a lot of good names out there, brainstormed a few, got some suggestions from fans and uh, talking sane in the HOV lane is, is the one that tickled my fancy. So this is a new feed. I hope you like it. Um, and uh, this is the Wednesday version of the podcast. A um, few things. We're going to do our Seinfeld thoughts. Uh, going to do a little Kobe action um, to talk about that. I know you've probably heard enough about it, but, you know, I just feel like you got to mention something about it. It was such a big event, and, you know, I don't have anything profound to say, but I'm just going to say my piece, and you can fast forward, or you can F off. I don't give a... I don't care. So, um, so we're going to do that, and then we're going to jump into uh, some more basketball-related things. Um, so, yeah, here we go. All right, so uh, we're jumping into Seinfeld Thoughts. Uh tentatively thinking about changing the name to a morning piss because maybe it's just thoughts that run through your mind as you're waking up, not really sure if you're still dreaming, uh, and these thoughts are just running through your head. But uh, let me know Seinfeld thoughts versus uh, a morning piss. Um, And this motherfucker better let me... All right, there we go. Um, So first things first is I, every day, I got a long commute. And then I, as you all know, which is why I do the podcast, a.k.a. Talking Sane in the HOV lane, right? And uh, when I get to work, a couple elevators I got to take. I got to take an elevator from the parking garage up to the lobby, switch elevators, and then go from the lobby up to the seventh floor. And there's always a bunch of stops along the way as we pick up people and uh, interact. And... One of the funniest interactions, I think, all day is the behavior on the elevator. So um, this happened to me, I think it was on Monday. And uh, there's people that you kind of know, but you don't really say hi to, but you want to acknowledge that you know them. And uh, so the first funny interaction is, where do you stand? Um, Everybody's always carrying a bag. It gets crowded on the elevator. And everybody always kind of files in in the same order. Um, but for some reason on Monday, this person, they go in and they, so this is what I think is the proper way to go in. If the, if the elevator's empty, you go in, you push the floor that you want to go to, and then you slide to the back corners. And so you go right corner, left corner, front corner, other front corner. Right. So then you have all the corners filled and then the rest of the people, as they come in, they can go in the middles um, or they could or they can just stand like in the middles in between the corners or they can just stand in the middle of the, of the elevator. Um, but for some reason, uh, this person that is that's talked to me in the past um, and we've just kind of like nodded and, you know, we're in the same f- floor and what yada yada. 
they they break the norm and they're just standing there in the middle. The next person comes in, they block the button. And so as I'm watching this, people are coming in and they can't reach the floor that they want to go to. And <laughs> they can't, and they don't know where to stand. And these people are just looking down at their phones and they don't know. <laughs> they're just like, ah, I'm sorry, let me get, I'm trying to, and then it's just like this awkward thing. And uh, then they ended up getting out and waiting for the next one because these people are just like, not, they have no social awareness. Um, so that was that was the first funny thing that happened. The other funny thing that happened is something I'm trying not to look at my phone as much as I'm just killing time. Um, and so in my in my <laughs> my elevator rides, that that gets really tough. I uh, I I keep my phone in my pocket and uh, try to like acknowledge people as they walk in, but without having to have a conversation, uh, as we go up. So I, I do that and then find myself just kind of looking up at the lights on the thing and <laughs> it's just terrible, but it got me thinking like, if, what did people do before they had cell phones in the elevators? Did they just put their eyes down and, you know, twiddle their thumbs? Like what's the proper etiquette there? Cause Nobody wants to have a conversation for 15 seconds and then have a go for 20 seconds and the person's trying to walk out and you're like, all right, well, that was funny. And uh, <laughs> so, so, and, it, and it's even worse if you're a guy and you, and you don't have your phone out because as girls are walking on, and I'm sure it's actually pretty bad for girls too because whatever. Um, but as a guy, you're trying not to be a creep, but you don't want to be unfriendly. And so you're kind of like smiling at people. And as they get on both guys and girls, um, not only smiling at like hot girls and not smiling at guys and smiling at everybody, but then, you know, it's just weird. So it's in this day and age, you know, I just want to say, you know, we're living in a society. You got to be friendly once in a while and look up from your phone except on elevators. Um, I think elevators, I'm going to pull the phone out because it's, it just gets too weird. Um, and that's, uh, that's my gist on the elevators. Uh, (laughs) so let me know what you guys do. Do you just look at your phone? Do you try to act busy and do email? Uh, lot, lot of options out there, but uh, without the phone there, you lose them all. So, uh, (laughs) My next thing is a real big pet peeve of mine. And so a lot of you guys know uh, from the sponsorship of the the previous episode and um, from my past kind of Seinfeld talks. There's a gym at my work. Uh, and so I try, I try to frequent the gym at lunchtime. Try to get a little sweat in. Um, you know, I'm not trying to be Arnold or anything, but... Uh, you know, maybe Fabio. Fabio is a good second option, uh, minus the hair and the strong jawline and, uh, you know, pecs and stuff. But Fabio, yeah, that'd be a good option. <laughs> and so uh, while I'm at this gym, there are just obese trainers. And how, and I don't understand this. 
so I'm going to approach it from a few different angles here. So we got the front angle here um, that says, okay, I'm somebody who just joined a gym. I want to get in better shape. And then the person says, oh, I'm a trainer. And you look at them as the potential client. And then there's another person that says, oh, I'm a trainer. And you go through and you look at the different pictures of the people. And they can tell you what they do good. Like I do, you know, a lot of this, you know, I'm good at rehab and, you know, make introductions. And I'm, this other person's more, uh, you know, advanced or whatever. They have all these qualifications. But if you're making the choice between the two, you're going to pick the more fit person. Or if you're a girl, you're going to pick maybe the girl trainer or your guy going to pick the guy trainer. Um, but if they're both, they're two guy trainers and one of them is in this decent shape and the other one is huge. I mean, there's this guy, he, he wears these tighter shirts too and you can just see the, see the rolls. And I just don't understand how you pick that as a profession and then allow yourself to get to a hundred pounds overweight. And there's not just one trainer. There's several trainers and there's people and I see them giving personal training sessions and I don't understand how you can uh, sign up for that. So there's that angle. And then there's a the person who is the personal trainer. And so what, what is the credibility you're supposed to have? And say, actually, no, you want to do, when you're working out, you want to do this. You want to keep proper form, knowing that your clients are looking at you and being like, did you read this in a book? I mean, this is like, this is like taking financial advice from, from somebody who, who's living off of, uh, what's that? Government, whatever government aid, government cheese, as it were. <laughs> like, no, you're not going to take an investment strategy from, from somebody in college who, who doesn't have a job, doesn't have any money or anything like that. This is, it's, <laughs> I'm trying to think of different metaphors and I'm blowing it, but um, it's just, it's, I just don't understand how they can do that. And, and they've been there. I've, so I've been working at Disney for two years. And these people have this consistently the same things. And so once in a while, I'll, I'll pop the headphones out. And, uh, you know, I've got AirPods now because I'm big time. And, uh, and so I'll pop, I'll pop one headphone out and keep working out and kind of like listen to them as they're talking. And I think what it is, is these people, they try to be more, more therapy and they try to have a conversation with them and, and break up their day. But I mean, anything that they say around working out or eating better or anything like that is just ridiculous. Cause one time I, the other thing, one time I popped out an earbud and I heard the trainer talking to his, the, the, um, the client and he was like, oh, have you had the California burrito at this place? It's so good. <laughs> Dude, what are you getting paid to do? Like sit here and have a conversation with this guy while he's like doing air squats? <laughs> uh, so, so that's my, uh, 
that's my morning piss conversation. Um, let me know. Would you would you hire a fat trainer? Would you hire uh, somebody that just went through bankruptcy to tell you what to do with your money? Uh, would you hire um, somebody who never went to school to teach your kids? Would you hire? Uh, I don't know. That's all I got. <laughs> I'm blanking on those. But uh, yeah, that's the uh, that's the morning piss. Let me know. All right, pause for the cause here. We got to pay the bills, got to pay the rent, you know, the phone. And as I just told you in the last segment, these AirPods don't pay for themselves. And I've got to get paid. Um, so this next ad is brought to you by Hyperion Fitness. Um, it's January. Uh, maybe your New Year's resolutions to get that FitBod by summer aren't coming through. Well, let me tell you something. At Hyperion Fitness, they have openings for their trainers because they're fat as fuck. <laughs> so if you need their uh, assistance to help you hit your goals, uh, feel free to give them a call at 916-224-3309. Um, and they'll be sure to slot you right in. All right, sorry for that little delay. Um started recording the pod somebody called me interrupted my flow and uh you know i couldn't pick it up until thursday so if you're if you're saying to yourself hey jacob you sound a little grizzled well it's the morning uh just had my coffee uh i've got a a giant poop stirring and and i'm back in the car so uh, i thought we'd pick it back up um and uh so i'm gonna talk a little bit about uh kobe here um you know it's it's a, a super sad day. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go into a bunch of really personal details or sad things to try to make it more sad than it already is. It's a travesty, um, and the fact that he was with his daughter, uh, you know, makes it even worse. Um, but you know, growing up being an LA kid, uh, Kobe came into the league in 1998. He's 10 years old at that time, uh, just starting to get into basketball loving all that stuff and uh, being, being a huge Laker fan. Um, and so when I was 12, I think that was 2000, um, they win their first championship. And then from 12 to 15, they three-peat. So those are my formative years of basketball. And, you know, Kobe and Shaq and the Lakers, they, that's when, you know, I was, I was frothing. You know, we would have parties at our house of with our family and our family friends and everybody would come over and we'd be, uh, I still remember one, one party when, uh, I think it was game four against the Sacramento Kings 2002 and, uh, Ori hits that shot and everybody, I just remember, uh, I'd like this still frame in my head of everybody jumping up and down and, uh, going crazy when he hits that shot. So, um, you know, it's part of my childhood, and I think the special thing about Kobe is just his work work, work ethic. Um, when you go back and you think about the great players of all time, you know, Michael Jordan, Shaq, um, you know, go on with, with the, the list, but um, you think you there's usually you can try to define them in one word, and, you know, you think of Michael Jordan, it's competitiveness. You hear about him needing to win on the golf course at the ping pong table. 
um, and just being, you know, ruthless and ripping it, ripping people's hearts out. Um, whether that's, you know, Charles Barkley taking him out to dinner before the finals and trying to trick him into thinking that they're friends and then just absolutely destroying him and acting like he doesn't know them on the kind of on the court and kind of Jedi mind tricking. So competitive is his. And then I think Shaq's, Shaq's is kind of uh, power. You know, he's got a, he's got a powerful kind of physical stature, obviously, but then also his personality and kind of just the way he leads. He's the loudest guy in the room and, you know, he's, he's kind of overtaking everything. And, and then you get to Kobe and you think about what his, what his kind of superpower is or, or what, what defines him in one word or phrase. And I think it's just work, work ethic. Um, and I think you can see that in the Mamba mentality uh, stuff that's been going around. And, uh, you know, he's a six, six guy that came out of high school, super rail thin, and he had some athleticism and he was talented, but um, there's guys in the, there's guys on every single team as, as talented as he was. But uh, you look at what made, what separated him and what made him uh, stand apart. And it's just his work, work ethic. Um, and he, he really loved that. And, and I think that's why you see people from football to tennis to, um, you know, all the different sports, that's something that they could relate with because the reason that Kobe was great, it was just sheer power of will and force and, uh, the willingness to put the hours in and, um, you know, he wasn't afraid to let people know about it too. <laughs> I mean, he, uh, he gave himself the name Mamba. I think that it has to be the most popular self-given name to an athlete, right? The Mamba mentality or Mamba, Black Mamba, whatever. He went away one summer and came back and said he did some research on the most dangerous venomous snake in the world called the Black Mamba. And that's what he was going to be going forward. (laughs) So he started calling himself the black Mamba. And, uh, for some reason we were like, Oh yeah, that's cool. (laughs) Um, but yeah, that's, that's just, uh, Kobe. He was, I guess he, he knew about narratives and could kind of shape them how he wanted and nobody really called him out. Um, but anyway, um, Super sad day. I, the the day I found out was kind of, you know, I tried to keep myself busy. I was doing a bunch of yard work, and um, by the time that was finished, I came in, looked at Instagram, kind of broke down. And I think the saddest part for me was um, in, the, in that part that actually I find some some healing in. I guess is that. Um, he was with his daughter and you could kind of see after his career, he was kind of wandering around and trying to figure out what he wanted to do, but um, really see that he loved doing basketball with his daughter and sharing the knowledge and teaching her. And um, he opened up that whole sports Academy for her. Um, and that was great, especially as uh, you know, a girl dad and uh, which I am uh, that one hit me hard with, with him traveling with his daughter, going to a game, um, and, and then them both passing on that in that helicopter crash. It was just tragic. But 
I think, uh, you know, the thing that we have to remember, and I think the thing that people are doing now is just kind of realizing, you know, if Kobe can pass and, um, you know, this legend, this sheer force of will, you know, we have to really kind of enjoy and make the most of our time here. And, you know, for me, I'm trying to carve out more time to spend with my daughters, get home from work now, and I'll take, take one of the, one of my uh, kids on a walk with Gaston and just talk to him and spend time with him. And, uh, you know, if out of that tragedy, we could all think of different ways we could, uh, you know, spend more time with loved ones because you never know how long it's going to be. So I said I wasn't going to get too serious, but here we go. There I, I went off the deep end and uh, and uh, got a little sentimental there. But, um, you know, I think you, you kind of have to do it. Is just a little bit of basketball knowledge and nuggets that I have, and I just wanted to pass them on to you guys so you can be as smart as me. Um, so I was watching uh, watching the Bucks play the other day, uh, and this is, this is before the passing of Kobe. So I don't know, maybe maybe Giannis comes out and uh, proves me wrong. But um, here's my hot take: it's it's Giannis is boring to watch. Um, I know we look at the highlights and we see all the dunks and everything, and think, oh, well, that, that, he's like an awesome person to watch, like LeBron in his prime or, um, you know, some of these high-flying acts that we've always seen. Uh, but to me, Giannis is Harden that can't shoot. And here's why I say that. Harden, if you watch him, he does the same thing every every time. He sits at the top of the key, dribbles between his legs, dribbles between his legs, fakes the step back, fakes, fakes the step back until – he feels comfortable or in a rhythm, and he takes a step back and shoots it. Or he drives and throws an all-oop. Um, so it's one of those two moves, right? And so it's boring to watch. You just sit there, and he's dribbling, or he's driving, and nobody's moving. There's there's no fluidity to it. There's no um, teamwork to it, really. It's just putting the defense in a bad spot and capitalizing on it. Um, and so when you look at the Bucks. What do you see? Every single time down, unless it's a fast break score or something like that, here's what you'll see. See one guy in the corner, one guy in the left corner, one guy in the right corner, two guys on the wings, Giannis with the ball at the top of the key. And then Giannis just drives like a bull straight at the guy, does a spin move or a Euro step or something like that, and tries to dunk it or get a layup or get fouled. Um, and he's been getting a lot of foul calls. Uh, and and if, the, if one of those things isn't happening, kicks it out to a shooter. And that's what you see every time. There's no variability. There's no, I guess, art to it. When you think about them versus the Warriors that we used to love to watch um, before Durant, and um, you think about the ball movement and how hard it was to stop them because you couldn't really game plan for them, um, that's what we used to love to watch. And, you know, that's what made them so hard to stop was the ball movement and the creativity and everybody on a string, you know, one, like five guys playing together. And when you watch Giannis and Harden and, um, and some of those guys, all you see is the same thing over and over. And the defense is, has to try to stop it. Um, and it's just not fun to watch. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of it. 
uh, everybody knows my my thoughts on Houston, but I think this is a new a new thought for me on on the Bucks. Uh, I just don't like to watch them. They're good, obviously, great regular season team, and I think when when you think about uh, what was Draymond Green's quote that some players are 82 game players and some some players are 16 game players. I think some teams are built for 82 games and some some are built for 16. I'm not quite sure if if I want to label the Bucks as an 82 game team or Giannis an 82 game player. I think Giannis is a 16 game player, meaning that he can play in the playoffs and he can be uh, you know effective. But the way that they're built around him. I think he's got too much on his shoulders, and I don't think there's there's much of a sh- shot for them in the playoffs. You know, I could be wrong, um, and if you were smart, you would take the uh, Bucks title win just because I said that, and I usually reverse jinx everything. So, uh, you know, take that with a grain of salt, but that's just, just my take. Um, and I think it's something to do with, I guess if I'm going to round out the take, it's that that lack of variability will come back to hurt hurt them in the playoffs. Variability? Is that a word? I don't know. Sounds good. It makes me sound smart. Um, uh, so that's that's my Giannis and the Bucks take uh, that they're the Rockets of the West or the East. I don't know. Take it or leave it. It for today. Um, thanks for listening to another episode. Share with your friends. Give us five star, five star. Uh, you know, we love you guys. Uh, next episode, just to tease, next week we might have Meat Hose, a.k.a. Will Bush, a.k.a. the Peach Basket podcast on, talking a little hoops, maybe uh, doing a little all-star preview, um, talking a little midway, West Standing, what to expect for the rest of the way um, of the NBA season. I don't know. The world is ours, and maybe even – See if he, he's got any Seinfeld thoughts or morning piss thoughts. Uh, maybe he's got a morning dump thought. So uh, thanks for uh, tuning in.